0: Welcome to the Nutrition Science Podcast, where we help you cut through the noise and make informed, science-based decisions about nutrition and your health. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Nutrition Science Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Adrian Chavez, and in this episode, we are going to be discussing multivitamin supplements. The title of this episode is should you take a multivitamin? And the goal of this episode is to help you make that decision. So we're going to discuss some of the science behind multivitamin supplement use. We're going to discuss why some headlines have shown or have circulated saying that taking a multivitamin is a waste of money. There have been multiple headlines over the last several years that have circulated making that claim. And so we're going to discuss why those headlines have circulated in that way. We're going to discuss the science behind multivitamin supplementation. Is it necessary? Is it useful? Is it ever useful? Is it useful in certain populations? And then at the end of the episode, I will give you some basic guidance on some things to look out for when choosing multivitamin supplements and provide you with some specific brand recommendations. So I'll post a link into the show notes with some specific brand recommendations that you can check out. Before we get started, I want to announce to anyone who is interested in coaching, interested in working with myself, working with my team on building healthier habits. So I have a healthy habits coaching program. It's a 12 week coaching program that we will be enrolling new clients for at the end of the month. And so we are currently taking applications I will post a link in the show notes so that you can put in an application if you may be interested in this. If you have struggled with making healthier lifestyle choices. If you need some guidance, you need some clarity around what you need to be doing, you need help getting into the gym and getting comfortable with resistance training, this is a great program for you. So check out that link if that sounds like something that may be helpful for you. Let's go ahead and get into the episode. So first thing that I want to discuss is I mentioned that there have been some headlines that have shown or that have said, had made the claim, that multivitamin supplements are completely unnecessary. And considering that a large percentage of the population continues to take multivitamin supplements, I think it's important for people to understand whether or not they're actually wasting their money. So I think it's about 30% of the population right now continues to take multivitamin supplements. And as I mentioned, there have been multiple headlines. So the latest one was in, I think it was in 2022. And I saw there were headlines in U.S. News is one that I pulled that said that vitamins and supplements useful for most people, expert panel suggest, and that was the headline. And so there were many headlines like this. I always, when there are headlines like this, I my inbox on social media gets flooded with people asking me whether or not these headlines are true. And so that's one of the reasons that I see these types of trends. And this particular headline was came from a paper that was published And this paper was a, it's an evidence report and systematic review for the U.S. Preventative Task Force. And the paper is titled Vitamin and Mineral Supplements for the Primary Prevention of Cardiovascular Disease and Cancer. So this particular paper was a paper that included 84 studies. Out of those 84 papers, there were nine randomized control trials that looked at the effect of multivitamin use on various outcomes, including all-cause mortality, cancer, and heart disease risk. And what they found was that there was a 6% reduction in all-cause mortality. Now, this wasn't significant, meaning that it wasn't statistically large enough to make the claim or like to be completely certain that it was the multivitamin that drove this benefit. So sometimes you need more people or you need a larger what's called effect size, but this was a 6% reduction. So the Group that took the multivitamin supplements had a 6% lower cause of all cause mortality during follow up. And then they also had a 7% lower risk of cancer. These aren't large, these are minor differences, not substantial, not anything to write home about or get too excited about. But it also isn't completely zero. And the reason that I mention this is because in these studies, it's difficult to actually show differences in these outcomes. So think about this we're trying to see differences. And the percentage of people who are dying over a period of time, over a short period of time at that. So there's only a small percentage of people who are dying over that short period of time because you can't... These studies are hard to conduct over very long periods of time. So most of them are three to six years. And the percentage of people in those studies that actually died or got cancer or heart disease is very small. So it's really difficult to detect differences in an outcome that's occurring at a very low rate in the population. So let's say, for example only 1% was experienced and this isn't the case in these studies but only 1% was experiencing heart disease so 1.5% is a pretty is a 50% increase but you're it's probably not going to show up as a detectable difference because the overall prevalence is so small as opposed to if it was 10 versus 15% that may look, it'll appear to be a much larger difference because the actual prevalence of the outcome is occurring at a higher rate. And sometimes when we're looking at these overarching outcomes, we have to track people for very long periods of time. And that's why these randomized controlled trials are difficult to conduct. in nutrition is because we have to follow people for very long periods of time to see outcomes in heart disease and cancer and mortality. And that's why we have to often rely on epidemiological data. And I've talked about this in previous podcasts. I'll link the podcast where I talk about the hierarchy of research in the show notes. But this is something that's important is when we see these headlines, they're not necessarily so the headlines are exaggerating what the conclusions of the paper were. The conclusions of the paper are that multivitamin supplements don't reduce cancer risk or don't reduce heart disease risk. And what's important to understand is that the criteria for establishing making that statement is pretty large. Like In order to be able to say that they do reduce the risk of cancer and heart disease, they have to have a pretty substantial impact. And they're not going to have a substantial impact because you're just taking one little pill. It's not a, It's not a massive impact on our lifestyle. And that's why they're called supplements. And this is an important thing to consider is creating expectations around taking supplements. So in these studies, there was a minor difference. And this minor difference, it wasn't substantial. It was difficult to detect due to the way that the research is conducted. But the reality is that there was a little bit of a difference. So there—it it is telling us that there's something going on with these multivitamin supplements that seems to be beneficial. Another important thing to consider is that in these studies, they're giving these multivitamin supplements to the general population and multivitamin supplements are most likely going to be beneficial among individuals who have underlying nutrient deficiencies or who have inadequate diets who have diets that are, you know, don't provide adequate amounts of nutrients for various reasons certain populations like children lower income individuals or individuals who are on limited diets for whatever reason are more likely to have nutrient deficiencies and are more likely to benefit from a multivitamin supplement. When we look at these studies and you give a multivitamin supplement to the general population and let's say 50% of that group of people had a nutrient deficiency that was corrected through that multivitamin supplement, but the other 50 had none and that other 50% who had no nutrient deficiencies or insufficiencies experienced no benefit, they're going to dampen the actual results that occurred in the population population that could actually benefit from the supplement. This is something that we see in a lot of supplement studies. I know I don't talk about supplements that much. I try to shy away from it, to be honest, because talking about supplements, people end up wanting to take everything that I talk about. And that's why I don't talk about them so much. But with supplements, it's really important to understand they can be beneficial when they're used with the right person in the right form for the right period of time. Like they have to be used strategically. It's not, I get this question all the time. Anytime I put a question box on my social media, does magnesium work? For what? For who? At what dose? In what form? You know, These are important questions to ask, and this is an important thing to understand, and that's why you don't see me really almost never talk about supplements on my social media. I'll talk about them a little bit more on the podcast because I can go into more depth and help you understand the nuance. So when it comes to taking supplements or taking a multivitamin, if you are likely to have low consumption of vitamin A or zinc let's say you're vegan for example and you might have low levels of you know bioavailable vitamin A you might have low consumption of zinc you may have low consumption of B12 then then the multivitamin supplement is probably going to be helpful and this leads me to the next paper that I want to discuss it's a consensus report from an expert panel that was published in 2018, and they came up with some conclusions that the panel agreed upon around multivitamin supplement use in evidence-based statements that can be supported by the literature. And here are some of the statements that they made. Number one, or one of the statements, I'm not talking about all of them because they're not all relevant to this discussion, but one of the statements that they made was, Achieving micronutrient intake levels on a population-wide and individual-level basis that are consistent with established reference values should be an explicit public health goal. So, simply put, it's important for people to consume enough nutrients. So, that's an important point. Using a multivitamin supplement can help to provide the recommended levels of various nutrients. That's an important point. So it's important to get the nutrients that we need. Multivitamin supplements have been shown to help to provide those nutrients. And on a population level basis, multivitamin supplements reduce the prevalence of nutrient deficiencies and nutrient inadequacies. So that's another important point that they made is if you give a whole population a multivitamin supplement that includes nutrients that that population is not likely to be consuming enough of, this is can reduce the prevalence of inadequacies and deficiencies among that population. Based on current knowledge, long-term use of multivitamin supplements within an amount that don't exceed the upper limit of nutrient intake are safe in adults. So there are established upper limits of each nutrient where if we consume more than that, that can be problematic. And this is the thing with supplements. A lot of people will consume multiple supplements that contain High amounts of various nutrients to the point where they're putting themselves at risk. I've seen this multiple times with people taking supplements, let's say vitamin A, for example. They'll exceed the upper limit consumption of vitamin A, and that can be toxic to the liver. And so we don't want to do that. And it's important that if you're going to be taking a multivitamin supplement, it doesn't overdose you on those nutrients. So that's one of the points that they made there. And if it doesn't overdose, There's been no safety concerns with multivitamin supplements that are within those safe limits. The evidence that long-term use of multivitamin supplements contributes to a reduction in the risk of chronic disease is insufficient to support the use of multivitamin supplements and the primary prevention of these diseases. Another complicated statement that simply means there isn't evidence to show that multivitamin supplements can prevent common chronic diseases like cancer and heart disease. This is what I just discussed at the beginning of this episode. This is where a lot of the headlines come from. There isn't evidence for this because that evidence is difficult to produce and that would require longer randomized control trials. It would require screening people and identifying those who are at higher risk for nutrient deficiencies so that we can supplement individuals who have the highest likelihood of benefit. In my opinion, if those studies were carried out, if we identified individuals who had higher likelihood of nutrient deficiencies and provided them with multivitamin supplements that fill those potential deficiencies and inadequacies, and we follow them up for more than three or five years, we follow them up for 10, 15, 20 years, I would be willing to bet that we would see pretty significant reductions like 10-ish percentage, and this is just a random guess out of my head, but just based on some of the reductions in risk that we see with other interventions, that we would see some reductions in risk over a long period of time where you're correcting a nutrient deficiency or inadequacy, and you're giving that enough time to actually cause some benefits on health outcomes, and you're identifying those groups that are at highest risk for having those inadequacies and deficiencies, and you're helping to correct those for them. In my opinion i'm pretty confident that that would lead to a reduction in the risk of various you know health conditions alzheimer's disease cardiovascular disease cancer diabetes if we could follow people up for longer periods of time and identify and supplement those specific groups of people that's what's important it's not giving a supplement to everyone it's saying who could benefit from this supplement and let's identify who can benefit from the supplement And let's use it in a safe way and in a way that's going to minimize potential risk and maximize potential benefit from utilizing this supplement. So the last point they made, multivitamin supplement use in populations with inadequate intakes or increased needs of micronutrients can provide benefits to apparently healthy individuals, including children, pregnant women, and older adults. So what this point means is what I just went on a rant about. Multivitamin supplement use in individuals who have higher needs of various nutrients or in individuals who are at high risk for deficiencies or inadequacies for various reasons can benefit, even though they are otherwise apparently healthy. And there are multiple studies that are cited. I'm going to post this particular paper into the show notes. They cited multiple studies in various populations. So they showed that children who use multivitamin supplements, particularly in low to middle income countries where nutrient deficiencies are much more likely. They show improvements in growth and in memory and cognition and then also healthy adults who supplement with multivitamin supplements. There's randomized control trials that have shown improved perceived stress, improvements in mild psychiatric symptoms, improvements in fatigue and improvements in subclinical anxiety as well. multivitamin supplement use and also in pregnant women so there's better health outcomes have been shown in pregnant women and that's why this is a population where multivitamin supplements are recommended more frequently but for other populations who are at high risk for deficiency there is some evidence that improvements in certain health outcomes can be achieved and there's also another study published in 2018. It was a meta-analysis of 12 randomized controlled trials looking at multivitamin supplement use in blood pressure. And they showed that there was a minor reduction in the overall population and then a moderate reduction in systolic blood pressure among individuals who were hypertensive who took a multivitamin supplement. There's also some evidence that multivitamin supplements can reduce oxidative stress levels. None of these are hard outcomes. So none of these are, you know, it's not diabetes, it's not Alzheimer's. We just don't have evidence for that for the reasons that I described earlier. But there is a little bit of evidence to demonstrate potential benefits of a multivitamin supplement. The potential risks of taking a supplement if you're taking one that doesn't provide excessive levels of various nutrients is minimal. The cost of multivitamin supplements. If you're taking, you can get a quality supplement for less than a dollar a day, sometimes about 66 cents per day. And that can give you some assurance that you're consuming the right amount of various nutrients and you're not deficient or consuming extremely inadequate levels of any specific nutrients. So now let's talk about purchasing a multivitamin supplement because there's so many on the market and there, there's so much variety in what they offer. And it's difficult to know what's a purchase. So even for me, I don't even like to look at the different options that are available on the market. I stick to a couple of different specific ones that I've been using and recommending for a long period of time. But one thing you want to look for is that it's third-party tested, a lot of multivitamins and other supplements on the market this market is not regulated well, if something is not third-party tested, there's the chance that it doesn't even have what it says it has. There's also the chance that it has various other compounds and metals and things like that that can potentially be harmful for you because they're just skirting guidelines and providing the lowest quality product that they can because when you take a supplement, you have no idea what you're taking. You're taking a pill with powder inside and if it's not regulated, these companies can sometimes put whatever they want in it and there's very little regulation. There. Studies that have looked at supplements that have been purchased on Amazon show that I think it's about one third of them don't have what they say they have in it. And so you got to be careful there. You want to make sure that you're purchasing something that's third party tested. You want to make sure that you're purchasing a supplement that doesn't provide beyond safe levels of various nutrients. The most important nutrients that you want to see that aren't over the 100% daily value of your needs are vitamin A, D, E, and K. So we don't want to be consuming excessive amounts of. Of various nutrients now there's certain vitamins like b12 where we can consume a lot of that and you'll see sometimes it's 10,000% of our daily value on the bottle our body can handle that vitamin e vitamin a and vitamin k are fat soluble vitamins and they can build up and they can cause toxicity same with vitamin d but we have to have very high levels of vitamin d and typically multivitamin supplements aren't overdosing on vitamin d They usually aren't overdosing on E, A, or K either, but you just got to be careful and look at the label. Make sure that they're, with these fat-soluble vitamins specifically, that they're not overdosing. You don't want too much folate either. Typically, like 600 milligrams of folate is going to be a good high amount. You don't really want to be going over that, and you don't want too much folate either, and it it just gets really complicated. I'm going to give you guys some recommendations. You can find them in the show notes. And something else that you want to consider is that it may not be something you need to take every day. So something that I do is I take a multivitamin supplement, but I don't take it every day. And I take it pretty much like every other day. I don't do it exactly every other day, but I generally do. And for me, that's just to like cover the baseline bases of certain things that I may not be getting enough of because I've tracked my nutrient intake and sometimes I'm low on vitamin A, sometimes I'm low on B12, sometimes I'm low on various nutrients. Through my normal dietary habits and and for me, just 33 cents per day-ish for me to just take one every other day and just kind of make sure that I'm hitting those baseline needs. So, you know, there's various ways to approach it. I, I don't think that everyone needs to take one. I would recommend getting other things into your diet in place first, you know, focusing elsewhere. I would also recommend tracking your food for a period of time, tracking your food intake. The Chronometer app is a really good one for that. Gives you good nutrient breakdown. And so tracking your food intake for a period of time, like three or four days, track everything you eat and look at your nutrient intake and see, are there any gaps in your nutrient intake based on your normal dietary habits that may you know benefit from being supplemented with a certain multivitamin or a certain nutrient? Let's say, for example, you're just really low on magnesium every day. Maybe just taking magnesium may be beneficial for you. This is the way that supplementation should be done not taking what you hear on you know what someone's promoting through a coupon code on social media or through a podcast. You really have to understand how that multivitamin supplement may fit your needs if you have certain nutritional deficiencies or inadequacies, if you have nutrient absorption issues, if you have GI issues that may prevent you from absorbing nutrients. It may be beneficial there, but individuals who generally tend to have higher risk for insufficiencies or inadequacies, that they are the ones that are most likely to benefit from a multivitamin supplement. So I am going to post recommendations into the show notes for a few of the brands of multivitamins that I like. You can check them out and see you know what they offer. Try to find comparable options. If you want, I recommend just sticking to these brands. These are going to be good brands and they're the supplements that I recommend and trust. So that's all I have for this episode. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Nutrition Science Podcast. I hope you all have a great week and we'll talk soon.